Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you believe that there is more to life than what you see right now and you want to find out more, listen in as her guests share their journey and their extraordinary experiences. Now, here is your host, Rhonda Grant. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show. Sometimes the universe has a way of placing people or obstacles in your path to help guide and direct you on your mission. Listen in as we discover the path my guest has traveled. Has he been inspired by a calling, crafted his journey, or a bit of both? I invite you to embrace the conversation and to use it to help you to recognize if this is happening in your life. Our guest today is Dr. Joel Bryant, who is a former educator, trainer, and lifelong learner with a passion to help others express their unique greatness. Welcome to the show, Joel. It's so nice to have you back. This is your third time on the show. You're a real champion here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here again, <laughs> as always. My first question is, I mean, we talk about a lot of different things, and you have, let's open the chat with, what is the latest book that you've written? I'm actually probably the new being preparing for the emergence of a new humanity is my latest work that I've took me about four or five years to write. Yeah. So that's my latest book and uh, my best book, probably my favorite, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, it's absolutely delicious. And it's, you know, you're, you philosophize so much that I love to, sit with each sentence and and really absorb what you're saying. And so can you talk to us a little bit about the book? It's just about a radical shift in human consciousness that's taking place globally. Yes. You know, it, it's taking place in pockets all over the planet where the status quo and convention and tradition no longer meet the needs of the human spirit of the new being that we're becoming. Mm-hmm. So I said this way, I say that new, you know, I say that new dimensions open new demands in human nature. When we have new demands, we open new dimensions. There are demands that we're facing now that are unprecedented, unparalleled in human history. And for people to say that human nature can't change is the most backwards and bogus statement that could ever be made. And people buy into that because the psychology takes a narrow set of uh, traits and behaviors and say, this is the human being, which is ridiculous and irrational. So it's about the radical shift in human consciousness taking place because the traditional needs no longer fit the human being for who, who we are, who we're becoming. We have new demands, so we have to open new dimensions. Or otherwise, we're going to fail the task of being. I'll say it this way. We'll get stuck in human and never become beings. We'll never, we'll never accentuate our being. We'll get stuck in human. And most folks are not good at that, from human to humane especially. They're stuck in human and won't, can't even get to humane. So the, the, the migration or the transmigration is human, humane to being. And we're stuck in the middle between human and humane right now as a society, as a culture, globally. Mm-hmm. 
And there's been a whole shift in human consciousness. Uh, there's more people, I believe, on the earth that are tapped into the true essence of who they really are and are beginning to operate, and maybe operate is not the correct word, exist at a higher level of enlightenment. And as you know, there's so many levels of enlightenment but I'm finding the more I speak with people, the more I interview people, the more I find that the ones that are truly effective in their life, and, and people throw around the word authenticity, but to me, you know, resonating in your heart and, and getting out of your brain changes uh -huh. your life experience incredibly. I would agree. I think we're either authentic or eccentric, mm -hmm. right? Authenticity has its place and, and it's different for each of us. And it's different at each moment. It's not a, it's not a static, stable um, expression because at different moments I'm being authentic, but the expression may seem disingenuous. Mm -hmm. But if I'm not authentic, which is Shakespeare said, to thine own self be true, and it must follow the day the night. You cannot then be false to any man. If I'm not being if I'm not being authentic, I'm going to be eccentric. Mm -hmm. And the word eccentric means to be off your center, to be outside of your center. Right. So develop nuances and new and neuroses and psychoses because I'm trying to accommodate what I think what I think society wants me to be or my social circle says I need to be. And for mm -hmm. me, I'm just true to me. I'm not auditioning. I'm not trying to win friends and influence people in that superficial way. Mm -hmm. I'm just being who I am. And I know how to, you know, of course, I know how to become all things to all people in terms of just environmental you know, intelligence or social intelligence. But that being uh, that way of expressing myself is true to my nature. Because I'm not, I'm not going to be eccentric. I'm not getting off my center. And of course I do, but I know when I'm off and I know how to get back very quickly. So being authentic, you have to be true to yourself. And you can't do that until what, till what, what Socrates said or Plato said, you have to know thyself. Mm -hmm. Who are you? you know, that that question yeah. begins the quest. Yeah, who are you? Or who am I? Is really the age-old question. And I think that I know for myself is that the more time I spend by myself, the more time I spend with myself and who I really am, not only heals me, but it, it brings me to a higher level. And it's really easy. And I know what you're talking about. It's really easy to be off your center, especially when you, especially coming into the Christmas season right? That we are right now, 2023, coming into the Christmas season right now, and being around a lot of different energies. And some of those energies can affect us in not such a good way. And we can maybe not feel good after attending a function and not really know why, but sometimes there's people who can suck your energy or deplete your energy, I guess would be a better word. <laughs> Can you talk about that? I really want to get deep here with you. <laughs> well, that, you know, the energy sucking is only when I'm finding restless with their lower vibration. Lower vibration. I, I don't have to. Now, of course, we all are human, but I don't have to allow you to be. To, I don't have to. See, I'm big on this one principle. This is one mm -hmm. thing that I will live and die for and kill for. 
and right. that is the right to self-determination. Now, we all are big on that. That's what this country is founded on, the right to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. So self-determination means this. Not only am I choosing my life goals, my life mission, who I'm going to marry, where I'm going to live, but I mean determining my emotional state. So when I go places, I say this all the time. I say I always say this little silent prayer. Mm -hmm. I have a pleasing and pleasant interaction with the people and the environment, including myself, but especially myself. Because I've got to live with me and I'm going to leave with me. So I cannot give you the right to determine my emotional state. So when I go to places, I, when I start feeling my energy drop or drain, I either change the conversation or I excuse myself from that environment. When I, Because I know the, the fallout for losing your center. You yes. become disingenuous. You say things you don't mean. You laugh at stuff that's not funny. And the more you, Emerson yeah. calls it this way. Emerson says, putting on the foolish face of praise. Mm. So Beautiful. the only reason those people would drain our energy is we find resonance with their lower vibration. They awaken something in us that was dormant, and before we knew it, it, it takes us over. So it's the old stimulus and response, but there's always a space between every stimulus, there's a space to choose our response. So there are people... I know there are people that they do not know how to protect their energy. They do not know how to raise their vibration. Uh -huh. Can you talk, can you talk about that? How would a person who's just sort of out there with their energy be able to protect their energy so that they don't attract the people that they should not be attracting to them? Simple. What we all have. First of all, it's consciousness, right? We all have consciousness, but mm -hmm. then to drill down, then there's self-awareness. See, if, so I ask myself every day throughout the day, how are you feeling? So my goal every day is to feel a 10. That's my goal. Okay. 10 is the highest. So I wake up every morning, usually at a 7 or an 8. I wake up every morning, usually my emotional set point most days about a 7 or an 8. And then my only goal that day is to get to a 10. So, so that means i got to be self-aware. Joe, how do you feel? Well, I feel okay. Well, what could you do to feel better? Well, I'm not really sure. So then I make that my quest. I might okay. go get a lemonade. I might, you know, I might read a book. I might smile on a baby. I might talk to a, a squirrel. I don't really know, but it's self-awareness. Because yes. by the time most people become self-aware, they have so much momentum behind their actions that they can't pull themselves out of it. So to change your vibration, to raise your vibration, self-aware. Ask yourself during the day, how am I feeling? And then once you're self-aware, you say, well, what am I focusing on? I mean, I was laying Sunday, mm -hmm. two days ago, laying around luxury, no needs, no anything. I mean, my life is better than it's ever been in my entire life. And... For about 45 minutes, I had a complete meltdown. Now, the person I was with did not know it. We were watching television and all of that. And I was you know, on the phone reading. And I had a complete mental breakdown in my mind. I'm like, you got all this. You know, I was naming all my, I said, but you know what? I lost self-awareness early on in watching a lot of videos on YouTube, the shorts. Uh -huh. yes. And before I knew it, I allowed that stuff to take me over so bad 
Did I realize I like, man, Joe, your life is nothing. Your life is nothing. <laughs> and so when I recovered myself, yes, I got off my center. I became eccentric. I became disgruntled. I became unsettled. I became angry. And this is sitting sitting in one of the best neighborhoods in Charlotte. Yes. You know, with money in the bank and nothing really to worry about. Yes. But I lost self-awareness. So what I did, I said, put your phone down and shift your energy. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, how am I going to do that? I said, find some comedy. So I went on YouTube. I started watching comedy because I like comedy. I said, now find somebody that's dancing because I can't dance. So I found people dancing. And then in about 20 or 30 minutes, I had reclaimed myself, but I had lost my self-awareness. Mm. See, that's the danger of ideologies and philosophies and theologies or belief systems. Mm -hmm. These individuals who are doing this horrendous stuff have lost, they have submerged their identity, their self-awareness in an ideology. And when you attack it, you attack them. Mm -hmm. That's why I don't say I am a Republican. I'm a Democrat. I'm nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm a human being transforming. No ideology, no philosophy, no belief system. I don't identify with anything like that to the exclusion of my person. So to do that, you've got to be self-aware and self-conscious, not in a way that's self-crippling, but how are you feeling? And know that that feeling is an indication of your focus. I said this way, Ron, this is a long answer, but mm -hmm. let me say it this way. We all can say, and it's irrefutable, nobody can refute this simple statement. I am. Mm -hmm. You, We are. Now, the predicate, I am happy, I am sad, I am whatever, the predicate is contingent upon our self-perception. So I am what? And, and to the degree we have self-awareness, I'm unhappy. Well, why? I've been trying to coach a friend. It's the second hardest person I've ever had to coach. Because mm -hmm. no matter what I say, they resort to their own unhappiness. And their life is extremely easy, privileged, privileged. Mm -hmm. But they are so locked in, I'm not happy. And their self-awareness does not go beyond that. So the other piece to that self-awareness is this. Once you have self-awareness, you begin to change your narrative. I'm living out of script. I'm living out a script of what my life is going to be about. So if I don't like the scenes or the scenarios, I need to look at the script, which is my self-talk, which reflects mm -hmm. my self-awareness. Yes. That's a long answer, but that's the basis of it. There's no change without self-awareness. Mm -hmm. And understanding that self-awareness is a reflection of your focus. And then your perceptions, because when you when you have self-awareness, you have focus, you have emotions and perceptions, then you form conclusions. And your conclusions become your compass. Now you orient or you orbit this emotional milieu. So what are you concluding based upon your emotions, your perceptions? What are you deducing? What are you mm -hmm. deciding? I may be losing, but I'm not a loser. And that's how I live. And, and, and the people that I see who have dynamic lives, 
I don't mean wealth, fame, and promise. I mean people who have a sense of vitality. Yes. They don't let other people define their reality back to self-determination. They don't allow other people to define, and the word define means to limit. Mm -hmm. When you are you are definite, this is the I feel like it's a stupid conversation. Maybe early on it's invaluable. It's a stupid conversation to try to de decide are we unlimited. Telling somebody they're unlimited early on might help, but what makes it more important is you got to be definite, not unlimited. You got to be definite to succeed in life. So, how do you define, describe, articulate, express, illustrate, deploy your humanity? And all of that is a result of your self awareness, your conclusions, your perceptions, and your emotions. Those are your compass. Sorry for rambling on, but. It's I, I love it. It's why we come to the table here is uh, for this, for your genius uh, about life. So when it comes to when you were talking, speaking about helping that person that it and they always came back to unhappy, unhappiness, is he living in his brain? Or is he living in his body? Do you know? Is living in the memory of a life that you can't reclaim. You can't go back and be 16 or 18 or when you were traveling the world. You can't do that. And instead of saying, you know what? You know what? When I was 16, this person is very you know, accomplished. And they, they made a vow at 11 years old about what they were going to do and be. In a culture that is not like American culture, okay? They're not from the Americanized West. Mm -hmm. And everything that they said at 11 years old in a culture and in a family that said, you will not do this. They did it. They achieved it. Travel the world. Making a living off of your talent. And instead of saying, you know what, at our age now, you know, we're older now. Instead of saying, you know what, I did everything I said. I was blessed to be able to go around the world. I was blessed to be in the Olympics. I was blessed to meet these people. I was blessed to win a medal. Instead of reminiscing in that way, it's regretting. Life is over. Here again, self-awareness, focus, perception, a conclusion, life is over. So no matter what I point out, they point back to what they can't get back. So they're living out of a story. Mm -hmm. What story are you telling yourself? We're all living a script. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the reasons that I don't deal with religions is because, and I was, you know, I could talk about it because I know about it. I was in it for 40 years of my life. Yes. I, I said this way, there's no guilt trip, which guilt is a major problem in our country. Mm -hmm. Because why? Human beings are wicked, depraved, and nasty. That's what we say, Right. There's no guilt trip without a guilt script. When you look at the psychology of the last 40 or 50 years, only in the early 2000s with positive organizational scholarship, did they begin to look at the human being as in a positive light. Because you look at Freudian psychology, it's deficit, deprivation, neurosis, fragmentation, just not whole. So, so here's my question that I talk about in the new being. How can I have a healthy self-esteem 
when I have a negative view of human nature? Mm -hmm. How can corrupt soil grow a great plant? That's a story. That's the human story that we talk about human nature. Can't teach an old dog new tricks. You know, same thing, different day. No, we are new every day. Mm -hmm. So to your question, living out of a story, we have a script that's inscribed in our being. And through consciousness, self-awareness, and reflection, we can revise, revamp, and rewrite that script and live a better life. Mm -hmm. So reflection, reflecting upon conversation you've had, reflection on your existence. And if you sit in a meditation and, and come to realize your role in whatever you want to visit, to have a revelation to change what you used to think. And do you find that meditation helps to calm the brain and in calming the brain it's easier to think about your next steps yeah meditation it, it, it massages the mind the brain has it the brain is just the mechanism it's mm -hmm. the mind that's the problem so yes. what meditation does it massages the anxiety out of the mind and i think for me this is a personal this is not prescriptive this is descriptive i don't try to quiet my mind when i meditate because mm -hmm. we're quiet your mind. Well, first of all, my mind is way too active. I mean, my mind has 50 years <laughs> of life, 60 years of life. Yes. And all that I've accumulated in terms of experiences. So what I do, I make a distinction between my mind and myself. I've always, before Eckhart Tolle ever wrote The Power of Now, I understood that. I mm -hmm. have a mind, but I'm not my mind. I have thoughts, but I'm not my thoughts. I am the thinker. I am the anchor of my being, not my mind. So when I meditate, I let my mind just go crazy. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to waste my time trying to cast down. No. So what I do, I say, I don't do it now, but I used to say, that's my mind. That's not me. I'm here centered in myself. I don't need to say that now. I just, I mean, like I meditate, man, like first thing in the morning, I get up at four o'clock every morning, I meditate. Then I may lay back down, get back up. I meditate again. I go through my day. I do a little bit of work. I'll stop in the middle of the day, take 20 or 30 minutes, sit in my car, sit here in my house. I'll meditate because that has changed my life. Mm -hmm. It begin to give me space. See what meditation does? It gives you space from the stimulus that has you on this Pavlovian wheel. You know, you're just like Pavlov's dog. Every time the bell rings, you... You know, we call it pushing our buttons or tripping our trigger. So, exactly. what, so what meditation does, it gives some space for you to choose a response. Yeah. And so, so but let me say this. Mm -hmm. I was reading this great Persian poet, Hafiz, H-A-F-I-Z. Beautiful, beautiful soul. He says this. This is pointing to your question about reflection and meditation. Mm -hmm. He said, we carry the ingredients to make our lives a nightmare. He said, don't mix them. Then he says, we carry the ingredients to make our existence a joy. Mix mm -hmm. them, mix them. People are mixing the wrong thing. Like, I don't have regrets. 
Mm-hmm. I, I mean, at my age, I man, I could give you a lot of regrets that I could have. But I began to use my reflection to devise different different interpretations of my experience. And when I changed my interpretation, I changed my conclusions, and that raised my vibration. So there is no way I would not live without meditating. I would not live without solitude. I'm not going to be taken over by the masses and the messages that are promulgated that don't raise the human stature. Mm. And that's choosing self-awareness. How do I want to feel in my body? Yes. You can lose weight and still feel bad if the, the right person don't compliment you. See, this stuff is all about our self-talk. What are you saying to yourself all day? How much of your conversation is a reaction to a judgment and not rooted in your person? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, lots of times, uh, and, and people really don't uh, think about this, is that we made decisions and very bad decisions when we weren't old enough to even uh, have a command of the English language. I mean, we made decisions as six, seven, eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds, 10-year-olds. You get up in front of class and you tell a story and you're thinking it's funny. Nobody laughs. You feel that you, and you start feeling bad about yourself because things didn't turn out the way you thought they would. Later in life, you don't, you won't even get up in front of people and speak because you know what I mean? Like you've just made these decisions and uh, you weren't even qualified to make. And so I think that's really important. And then the other thing is what I find meditation does. It stops that chatter, that roommate in the head, because what they say is that, I don't know, let's just say 87% and I could be off by 5% of the thoughts that we had yesterday are the same ones we're having today. And we don't know how to interrupt it. We don't know the interrupt for that. And what you've just talked about is meditation is that interrupt. And also is what we've been talking about too, is contemplation, reflection, and then revelation. And then it starts to free up again, what you've talked about is that space in your being that you need and you need that space because it better prepares you to respond to others instead of jumping at something because your script in your brain is ready it's locked and loaded to respond to everything and anything that's going on in life unless you get it shut up (laughs) you know and meditation is the cure for that. And and people really don't know. So you say, well, how do you meditate? Well, you go to Google, and there's 100, 200, you know, a million uh, different ways to meditate, find your way. And I'm so impressed that you are meditating for as long as you are. Uh, I love I love that. And are you When in meditation, a lot of people see like a a white circle that just sort of floats by. And then if you meditate for a long time, the white starts to change colors. And you start seeing indigo and all different colors. And I really think that there's a rewiring that meditation rewires your brain, which helps your body because now you're feeling good. Your brain's feeling Uh good. It's calm. 
calmer and mm-hmm. your body's feeling good. And now it's not so scary to be in your body. And what I loved is the experience that I came to was when I could feel all the cells in my body and I could feel them chattering to one another. Who knows what they're up to? Um, but I love that. And, and I really feel that if we can be in touch with ourselves at that fundamental being that we then can go out into the world and mostly you're not saying a whole lot because your spirit has changed. Your soul has now stepped out of the background and now is, is walking with you instead of, you know, the one that seems to be following you, (laughs) the shadow on the ground, right? You know, just, uh, just an analogy for that. Can you speak to what I've just spoke about? Well, first of all, there are spectrums of expansion. Okay. And I'm very careful about prescribing to another person what to look for in their internal journey. Right. So I can describe my experience. But meditation is about allowing your, giving yourself room to create yourself, mm-hmm. not to find yourself. No. Because if you don't know yourself, how would you know when you found you? Because you don't know what you look like. So, so finding yourself is like an elusive task. The system is okay. It's, it's a waste of time. You're mm-hmm. creating yourself. So there are spectrums of expansion. When I meditate, first of all, let me say this. When you meditate, if you can get three seconds of stillness, that's enough power in the material world to carry you for five years. Mm. See, it's not fair and balanced. Meditation is a quantum field. Everything is extra. So when you go into meditation, for me, I, I could write a book a day. If I had the time and the energy I I don't want to say channel, but I sync with the universal mind. And I'm telling you, I could write a book every single day. It would be inspired and enlightening and profound. Because why? Over the last 30 years, I've accumulated so much equity, so much uh-huh. spiritual equity, that I go through the day and I try not to be inspired to write. So what a person experiences in meditation is going to be unique to their own person. So some might see colors, some might see light, some might, I mean, first of all, there are so many senses that we have. Mm-hmm. We have, I said, I said it this way in the book, we have dormant endowments and dimensions. They have not even awakened yet. Yeah. So, so meditation, regardless of your experience, is about beginning to experience the spectrum of expansion through exposure. People say, "See, we do get to interrupt." When I'm unhappy, that's an interrupt. When I'm mm-hmm. disgruntled, that's an interrupt. It's what I do. Do I pause and say, "Wait a minute." I'm thinking the same thoughts every day. So how do you do something different? 
have a new experience, have a new exposure. Yes. Do something. It does not a lot. Do something different. Don't that not how do you be different for your lifetime? How can I be different in this moment? And if I'm a different in this moment and it feels good, then my mind, I'm going to remember that. And the next time I'll be more likely to do that. So, see, first of all, Ron, the people have got to begin to get rid of the sense of being disempowered. Mm -hmm. As if we are determined by our circumstances. Man, I just reject determination. Maybe because I'm in the West, I'm in America, and I'm in a, a pretty good city. But I reject it. I reject determination. In other words, I reject fate. Mm -hmm. I reject the domain of circumstances. And it's been a lifetime journey to develop this mindset. Yes. So when you're meditating, yes, you begin to tap into your intuition, your internal teacher. And, you, and one thing you've got to have, if you don't have, I think Aristotle said this. He said that courage is the cardinal virtue. And without courage, you cannot practice any other virtue. You won't speak up and speak out against injustice or bullying. or you, Why? Because you don't have the courage. And you know what courage is? It's not bravery. It's not valor. It's mm -hmm. not heroism. Courage for me is the consciousness of options. I don't have to take that. I don't, you are not my only, I don't believe in this simple statement, a once in a lifetime opportunity. Man, life is too rich for only to give me one opportunity. That was an opportunity with you that I missed. Mm -hmm. But I would not have a scarcity mindset and a deficit thinking to reduce my destiny to your goodwill, to the goodwill of one person. Mm -hmm. So what that does, I feel empowered. I don't really have courage. I just know that there's options. And how did I know that? Because when somebody told me in the past I couldn't do that and couldn't get there, I found another way. Life led me to another way. So I take what people say with a grain of salt. When they try to defile me with their power, like if Elon Musk told me, Joel, you will never succeed. And if you try to publish a book, I'll buy the publish to it. You didn't make me Elon Musk. I'm just using him because he's powerful. We <laughs> think money is the panacea and it's the serum for everything. Mm -hmm. You have to maintain your personal sense of power. Yes. And that goes back to your narrative. What are you telling yourself? Am I weak? Am I ineffectual? Am I Am I obsolete? Am I unnecessary? No, I'm valuable, vital, and dynamic. I tell myself there, I said, Joe, you're valuable, you're vital, you're dynamic. Every day, throughout the day. So that's how people begin to have a different experience and a different story. It's mm -hmm. not deep. Mm -hmm. I hope I answered that. Oh, yes, you did. And, you know, as you speak, I'm just, you know, there's so many things that I, I want to ask you and talk to you about. Um, speak to this. The more that I meditated, uh, the more, as you talked about, intuition and synchronicity start to show up. 
And they probably showed up in your past and you didn't really realize how powerful uh, those are. But I just want to give you a tiny little indication of something is that I was on holiday last year and we were going to a place that was quite far away from where our hotel was. And we had went there many times and I was going to have lobster. And I thought to myself, I have to remember to tell the girl that I want extra butter on the side with my lobster. It's just an open air, just picnic tables. And they catch the lobster that day and feed it to you that night. And, and so then I ordered my food and I went and sat down on the picnic table and I thought to myself, darn it. I forgot to ask about butter. And this lady showed up, I'd never seen her before in my life. And she had a decent size of butter in this little plastic container and said, would you like some butter? And I said, yes, I'd love some butter. I forgot to ask. Mm -hmm. Nobody else was getting butter. I never told her. I never told anybody I wanted butter, but the butter showed up. And then something happened this year when I was on holiday. We were going to go and have omelets for breakfast. And every time we go for an omelet, the toast is never toasted well enough. It's just brown and that's it. No butter on it. That's okay. I thought to myself, when I go over there this morning, I need to tell them that I want my bread my bread toasted longer. I forgot. I'm sitting down. I totally forget even that I should go like to remember to tell them Uh when the omelets came, my toast was brown on both sides, just how I love it. And my husband's who was sitting across from me was just toasted. And I couldn't help but recognize that. And I think that when we pay attention to what our brain is thinking and then really what shows up in life. Now that could be positive or negative, right? I think there is a power, a universal power here that a lot of us miss. And how many have I missed over the years? Well, it's it's quite natural. It's quite natural. You see, here's the thing. We think we make the supernormal supernatural. It's just supposed to be normal. It's normal. Yes, it's, it's starting to be. not aware, then it's, I mean, I have those happen like, I mean, and it's always, and I would say, I say, well, goodness, if you can do that, give me the big thing, right? You know, but it happens. I know. In the course of my day, whether it's a parking space or something I forgot, didn't know I need, or, you know, I was going to, I was, my frying pan broke the other day. I was like, okay, I got to buy another frying pan, but you know, I'm never going to go to the store. It's like, I, I'll just, no. and I went to my friend and she said, oh yeah, I've got some new frying pans the other day. So I'm going to give you these, a whole pot set. I didn't say anything to her. This happens quite frequently because you know what, Rhonda, when you slow down mm-hmm. to the speed of life, because oh, beautiful in, in, in America, yeah. We have run past, we have lapped our lives. If we're running track, it's like running with Usain Bolt back in the day. He's going to lap you. I mean, no, he didn't run that long, but you, we're lapping our lives. We're running past our lives like, why are you back there? We're ahead of ourselves. We're ahead of ourselves. Because we feel inadequate. 
And so we don't slow down to the speed of life. So the synchronicity or serendipity or, you know, happenstance or coincidence, those happen every day. Why? Because the universe, contrary to our teachings, religiously especially, the universe is benevolent. It is generous. Mm -hmm. It is wasteful. Look at the things that nature does that, are, that we don't even understand and we still establish and we make up a reason. Even our human body, we make up things that we don't understand to explain what's beyond our comprehension because why? We are ahead of ourselves in a bad way. So I'm going to tell you something. Mm -hmm. Slowing down to the speed of life has changed my life. And every day when I'm doing something, if I'm doing this podcast, I'm doing this podcast. I don't have another device on in the background. I'm listening to every word you're saying. I'm watching your eyes just rapid. NLP, I'm watching your I'm Why? Because I've got to be attentive and intentional mm -hmm. to be able to maximize and massage this moment to get the most out of it. So because we're in such a hurry, we run past the moments that would let us realize two things. Mm -hmm. This is what you want for your husband, your lover, your partner, right? You want to be seen and heard. And when we see these synchronicities in our life, that lets us know that we are seen and heard by the universe, God, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And when we know we're seen and heard, we can relax. Because it's not all on us. Mm -hmm. Shakespeare said it this way there's a divinity that shapes our ends and I'm going to paraphrase in 21st century he says there's a divinity that shapes our ends however much we screw up he says rough hewn them though we will so this divinity trims our rough edges I've had things work out that I didn't even plan out I didn't even plan them out but they worked out and so what I'm doing at this age in my life is I'm saying, Joel, slow down. Do this one thing. Not thinking about the next thing. Mm -hmm. And I find such a richness in those moments. Even if there's no synchronicity, just taking the edge off of myself to get something done. Mm -hmm. To feel productive. And I think if we do that and we trust, you know, Timing is the most critical element of success. And if we're ahead of ourselves, see, I don't, it's painful being ahead of your time. Ask those who were. If you're going to go back in history and ask those people who are ahead of their time, how did it feel? It, used to, it sounds good when somebody tell you that until you learn what it means. When yes. people tell you ahead of your time, it means don't nobody know what the heck you're talking about. Exactly. So if you can slow down to the speed of life, mm -hmm. not be moved and motivated by what other people are doing, but celebrate and enjoy your own journey, your life will be a series of synchronicities that will enrich your vitality and your sense of aliveness, because that's what we want, a greater sense of aliveness. Mm hmm and something else I want to talk. Thank you so much. I mean, the teachings here, I'll listen to this 
like seriously, I will listen to this five or six times to capture every single thing that you're saying. Tell me what the ingredient uh, called surrender helps you with your life. Surrender, surrender. is alive. So in America, I can only speak for America. We don't like surrender. We're, we're not surrendering anything. No, we don't believe in surrender. Okay. So when you hear those kind of words, and I get what you're saying, and you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. But when people that, because you understand, words have connotations. Yes. Surrender means to give up. Yes. So why do you think we? Why do you think we fight things for so long? Because we don't want to. Because you know why? You can't surrender without trust. Yes. When I speak about surrender, I don't mean giving in, giving up, giving away. Yeah. You're talking about aligning with what in this moment is coming to us. And surrendering so, so to the moment, surrendering to the spiritualness of yourself and allowing whatever is coming through to come through, surrendering that part. So, yeah. I should have been more clear. It's still, matter, <laughs> it's still a matter of trust, though. When I started writing mm -hmm. years ago, I told you I had, and I love proverbs. I love witty sayings, or you know, a little maxim, something in one sentence that says a lot. Mm -hmm. And in five years, I had written ten of those sentences, and five of those ten were trash, and I knew it, but I kept them. Mm -hmm. And then one morning, I got up. And someone said, grab the pen. I do that all the time. There's no revelation. Mm -hmm. But I wrote until that pen ran out of ink. And so I began to ask myself, something's wrong with you. Because I went from, you know, not being able to really write till I write so much. It's ridiculous. I mean, it is literally ridiculous. The amount of information that comes through me, insight. Yes. And I thought something was wrong with me. So then I started blocking it. So I didn't trust it because I had to come out of religion. And, you know, it's, you know, this, I don't know if you know about Christianity and the devil, and you got to be careful and all this stuff they tell you. Yes. So I began to block the inspiration. And when I blocked it, which I couldn't block it because it was there, I began to feel eccentric. I wasn't at home in my body. Mm -hmm. I wasn't trusting that what I was hearing was beneficial and benevolent. It was insightful, but I had never written like that before. That was part of my experience. Mm -hmm. So I began to, so I started, so I said, Joel, when you don't surrender to this process, you don't feel right. I actually feel yes. like I was, I actually felt like I was a traitor. I felt like I was betraying something. They wanted to use my life to get a message to society. So I began to, so I began to, I said, just trust it. Just surrender. Mm -hmm. So I would lay my, before I went to bed at night, I either leave my computer on beside the bed or I had yes. my journal beside the bed with an ink pen. And I, and I'm going to tell you, even now, Rhonda, I have to recertify my surrender. Because I'm thinking, why am I writing all of this? And I really don't have the mega platform that I know that this work deserves. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have written 50 books in the last 12 years. Yes. I've got 13 or 14 more, I don't know, on my flash drive. I write, I mean, I'm telling you, and it's, it's powerful.
And I say, but Joel, something's got to be wrong with you. Because you don't know anybody else who's having this experience. I mean, I do now, but mm-hmm. at the time I didn't. So surrender is this. It is your capacity to, ex- to exist in a state of ambiguity. Because when you're in surrender, when you're beginning to surrender, you're in transition. You're in transition from the old way of thinking to a new way of being. Not a new way of thinking. Mm-hmm. From an old way of thinking to a new way of being. And in between that space, it's going to require trust. And it's going to be ambiguity. It's going to be uncertainty. Right? And you have to have the ability to exist in a state of ambiguity. And lean in the direction of your well-being. Because something is calling my life. If, if my life had gone the way I had planned it, I would be a business executive. I was addicted to business growing up. Mm-hmm. I was president of my, in high school, you know, Future Business of America. I was addicted. And I started getting good jobs and, you know, doing well. And then it's like I hated it. Yeah. And then I, I, had a, I had an experience on August 13, 1986, that completely changed everything about my life. And so I surrendered, but it required trust. It, it required existing in, a, in a, a state where I could not give a definitive answer to explain my reality. Even when I questioned myself, you can't see without trust, there is no progress without trust. Mm-hmm. Because knowledge is a result of trust sustained. Without trust, you can't have knowledge. That's what experimentation is trusting that you're going to get this outcome if you do this process. So, how do you surrender? Well, I didn't like the life I had. It's like playing cards. You know, I don't know how to play poker, but I know if you don't, you can throw in three or four cards and get some more cards. I didn't like the life. I didn't like the life I had, so I traded it in. Mm-hmm. And it was very, very ah, confusing. Mm-hmm. Even now, I say, why am I writing all this stuff? I mean. I can't even exaggerate the level of, I don't even call it inspiration. It's just my normal. But inside myself, I said, Joel, you got to trust that there's a reason for all this stuff that you are compiled and you're composing. And Mm -hmm. so I surrendered. I surrendered. I haven't worked in three months. I said, okay, Joel, I don't, in June, uh, in in February, I said, I don't want to work the last three months of the year. I'm not wealthy. I said, but I know I need to have time to write, more mm-hmm. time to write. And so I kind of planned as best as I could. And from October to now, I haven't done anything but work on my, I surrendered. And my mind said, well, you need to take another project. You need to take another project. You need to do, you know, my mind that on the shoulder, the mm-hmm. other self. But I don't, I surrender to my higher self. Because that's the benefit of experience. Every I used to tell my mother this. My mother was a great woman, lover, 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 lover. She's the reason I'm still alive. She's passed now. I say, Mom, why are you 65 years old? 
You and daddy have raised three boys in this country. We've never been in trouble. We have pretty good lives. You've outlived every single thing you've ever been through as everything you went through is behind you and you're here and you're still worried. I said, what's the point of getting old? You've outlived everything that you feared. Mm -hmm. So because I've surrendered in the past and I've seen the outcome be good, the process wasn't always good, didn't feel good, but the end was good. So now I just surrender to my desire. And if I don't surrender now, if you don't surrender now, see, transition is always inconvenient. Yes, it's never it a good time to do something different. No. But like the little saying says, if not now, when? So in saying it this way, surrender is the acceptance of the call of your higher self. Beautiful. Exactly. Beautifully put. The other side keeps people where they are right now. Because the other side, if we try something different, do something different, listen to ourselves instead of others, we want to be liked. And so we want to be the same because we can't see, we don't have the vision to see what I call the other side of the curtain, the other side of where you're headed to. And I find, just like you said, is surrendering to the calling, surrendering to the inspiration now, because now it will, inspiration doesn't wait for anybody. It just goes and, and visits somebody else. Mm -hmm. And so I think people stay where they are because they're too afraid to see what's on the other side because they don't want to commit to that. You're right. But so how do you, how do you incite and excite a sense of curiosity. See, if you make it a game, one mm -hmm. of the things I've learned, I've, I've been too serious most of my life. Now, yes. some would say I wasn't serious enough, cause, you know, but <laughs> I used to look at everything as life or death. I made everything more vital than it was. And so what I've, what I've been able to do is like, instead of making a lifetime decision, I said, Joel, just go see what that's about. Mm -hmm. Just be curious. Mm -hmm. Make it a game. Because as adults, we don't play. We don't, we, are, we have too many responsibilities, too much is riding on our decisions, and we don't know how to play. So mm -hmm. when I can be when I become playful about my life, because part of it also, Ron, is we're always projecting negative expectations. People might not reject you. Why do we assume without evidence in our personal experience that this particular time I will be rejected? Why not suspend? That's what I mean by existing in ambiguity. Why not give myself the benefit of the doubt? Or give it, no, they're going to like this. If they don't, at the worst, I'll know how to get better, but it's not going to kill me. But you got you to become curious about life. Not so serious. Listen, most of the stuff you and I do on a day-to-day -day basis is not life or death. Mm -hmm. We go to work, we pay bills, we go on vacation, you know, we talk to our neighbors, our family. It's nothing life or death. So why so serious? Yes. I mean, when I worked corporate, I saw that. They 
send these panic emails. This is a new procedure. Affect him immediately. Da-da-da. And so I said, you know what, I'm, I was on my way out the door. I said, I'm going to make an experiment. I'm not going to do any of this. I didn't do any of the stuff. I did it for about three or four weeks. And then you know what would happen? I get an email. We would get an email. We have decided to scrap that process. They just taught me not to take them seriously. Because somebody's in the room trying to feel vital and valuable, bring up suggestions that have not been thought through with, but you can't even implement. But in the moment, you have to say something to let, let them know you're present and accounted for. So what mm-hmm. I do, I try to make it a game. I try to make, I said, Joel, do you think you can go three months out? I said, I don't know. I think I can. I mean, I've saved money up. I planned for it. So let me see. And what the year is about over. It's only a couple more weeks, and I've and I and I've been able to sit here in this house or at the park or at the mall and write because I make it again. Because when I make it too serious, we'll see. When you get serious, your field of vision narrows, and it's not focused. Mm-hmm. The difference between being focused and narrow-minded, because they all have to do with an emotional perception. When I'm narrow-minded, I'm predisposed to exclude the possibility of options. When I'm focused, I've looked at the options and chosen this one. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we are more curious and recognize that criticism, if you pass 40, criticism is not going to kill you. No. <laughs> and you should realize that people are criticizing you, they are not God. They yeah. may be your boss. I mean, they're not the ultimate authority. No. Let me see. One thing, Stephen Covey said it this way. Begin with the end in mind. So for me, the end is this. Nobody on this planet, this is my belief, Mm -hmm. nobody on this planet has the final word about my life. That comes from me. Yes. I decide, only I can decide to quit. Mm -hmm. Only I can decide that I'm a failure. So I just don't believe that we should be as serious as we are about things that, because when you get older, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, and I'm, 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 I feel like I'm getting older. All the stuff I took serious wasn't worth two cents. I know. And I look back now, I was like, Joe, you sweated over that, over her, over him, over that. That's right now. People say, Why aren't you serious? I'm serious. Somebody asked me, Why are you so happy? I said, Why aren't you happy? <laughs> you have more stuff than I have. You got 10 times more than I have. Yeah. And don't, don't indict me for being happy. Mm-hmm. So, well, curiosity. Curiosity, beautiful. And what I, what I find is that people worry. They worry incessantly about things. And lots of times, you know, people die a million deaths before they actually die. But if there's <laughs> nothing, but if there's Ooh. nothing to worry about... I know people that will make stuff up to worry about. Uh-huh. And is it just to keep themselves busy so that they don't have to? They don't know how to appropriate the tools that would change the tenor and the texture of their mental processing. Worry is okay. just worry is just wonder misdirected. And you're projecting an outcome based on your negative predisposition to see the worst. Mm-hmm. Most of the things, oh, they do they do study for old people, like old, old, 80s and up. And they say, 
the biggest their the biggest regret is this. Mm-hmm. They worried about things that never happened. Mm-hmm. The worst never happened. It never and happened. Once, and then once it happened, we don't understand that life has wired us so that when the worst happens, something a trigger trips on us, and we can accept it. You know, but when you're projecting. I don't know what I'd do if my mother died. I love my mother. I don't know if I'd do well. When you get there and lose her, you don't understand life has built in you the ability to absorb that loss. We did mm-hmm. not come here unequipped. Mm-hmm. We did not come here ill-equipped. Yeah. We have learned. We have this. I think there was a book out years ago, or maybe it's a psychological concept called Learned Helplessness. We have learned to be helpless. So Worry is just wonder, a sense of wonder directed towards something that in this moment you don't have the answer and more importantly, you don't have to answer. You can think about it, you can contemplate, you can cogitate, you can ponder, you consider, reflect and refract, but once you do that, let it go. Get up and do something different. Mm -hmm. People don't do that. Well, the, the friend I'm coaching, well, I can't be happy. But you know what's amazing? For the first 15 minutes of the morning, first 10 minutes of the morning, the brightest, most joyous, buoyant, ebullient. And then once that desktop load up with the memories of I'm not happy or what, it's like watching a different person. Mm-hmm. And they will not take the tools that will change the texture and the tenor of their reality. Because you cannot, I feel like this is a stupid statement that I'm about to make that people say. Mm-hmm. It's all in your head. Well, where else can it be? <laughs> it's not about the location. It's about the process. Yes. Everything is in my head. So it's not about the location. It's about the conclusions that I deduce from my awareness of not reality, because when you use the word reality, that has a that has the quality of being fixed. When we say circumstances, they are mutable. They can be changed. But when people say rea- I'm face reality, so you mean that this condition is fixed and irrefutable? No, it's temporary. Mm-hmm. But if I don't take the tools, so I think it's just important that we understand this. You and I came from the factory. Fully equipped. We don't have to argue about who's the fact, who, who's the manufacturer. We are here. I am. That's a reality. The predicate, I am rich, poor, happy. The predicate is contingent upon our ability yeah. to use our environment to change our awarenesses. Mm-hmm. You're listening to the Rhonda Grant Show right now, whose podcast has been treated with digital audio health by my sponsor, Symatrex. And today I have the absolute pleasure to grow my brain being in the company of this fantastic, intelligent man, Dr. Joel Bryant. Please let uh, the audience know how they may purchase your books, um, get in contact with you if you like, however you'd like. Okay, you can find me on my books on 
instead of Amazon. And then you can contact me directly at my email address, joel at joelbryant1.com. I'm in the process now of having my website rebuilt, but either Amazon or email joel at joelbryant1.com. Beautiful. Yeah, I'm going to ask you uh, the same questions that I asked you uh, when you were on the show before. Uh, do you feel uh, that you've been called to your journey, crafted it, or a bit of both? All of the above. All of the above. I was summoned, and then I was seized, and I've surrendered. Ah. And and I've had to craft my response, the stimulus that was foreign to my experience. I've never been unemployed or homeless before. I had to respond to that. That wasn't God or the that was me. Mm-hmm. I had to I had to craft my ability to have more emotional solidarity, not to fall apart when things didn't go right. But I know I'm called on this journey, and everybody has Emerson said it this way: "You're you're." Let me give you the quote. Emerson says that God, because he was a uh, Unitarian minister, he said that God put a calling in your character. Your disposition, your predisposition, your tendencies, your biases, and I don't mean like prejudices, I mean your preference. Your mm-hmm. the characters in the calling is in your character. The reason that I can write, people say it this way: how do you have the discipline to sit down and write these books? I'm like, I don't need discipline. <laughs> I, I needed discipline to go to work every day. I said, Joel, get up, take a shower, brush your teeth, put on some clothes, and go to work. Crank that car up, put that thing in drive. I needed discipline for that, but for my but for what I'm doing now, when you have desire, you don't need discipline. And your character, your temperament, your preferring of being alone or whatever that is is a clue for the conditions that are conducive for you to express your greatness. Your character gives you the ability to create the conditions that are conducive for the expression of your greatness. Mm. And if you understand that, you change how you see opportunity. Yes, I'm not looking for opportunity. We need it. I need it. The way because when I when I focused that way, I was always behind. I can't keep up with the technology. I don't know all the latest terms in the industry. I don't know what platform. Man, I was tired of networking. So what I do for me, mm-hmm. because I have a sense of destiny. I was not sent here for my own benefit. So as I honor my destiny. I will be the opportunity that some people, somebody is seeking. Versus me seeking opportunity, I'm just going to be about my destiny, writing, speaking, sharing, whatever that is. And and somebody will see me as an opportunity that they want to be a part of. But they don't want to invest in my vision or collaborate. Because when you see it, when you see as your, when you see your outcome is dependent upon everybody else, man, you're going to be exhausted. You're going to leave every meeting wonder how you did. How did I show up? Did they yes. like me? So to answer your question, I was summoned. Summoned. I was seized. And I surrendered. 
And Fantastic. I would take nothing for the journey. What's that? <laughs> I wouldn't take anything for the journey. Yes, exactly. Just so profound. I, I just I just love our conversation. I don't want it to end. What extraordinary discovery have you found in your life since I last spoke with you? You know what? The beautiful and bountiful blessing of routine. Mm -hmm. The blessing of boredom. Getting up every day and it's like, hey, good morning. You know, whatever your lifestyle is. Or say good morning to my plants hanging over here. Boredom. Routine. Because when my life is not, when I'm not getting up, meditating, doing my routine, something has happened, good or bad, is usually something, you know, I don't want to deal with. And the reason I say that, you know, my life is pretty routine, pretty boring. My grandkids say, granddaddy, you don't have a life. You don't do anything. But I was feeling bad a week or two ago. So I said, well, let me go to the doctor. And I don't really like to go to the doctor. But then it changed my whole day. So now I have to make the appointment. Now I, I got to spend two or three hours sitting in there. Then I got to hope that everything is okay. And then, and I thought, man, I can't wait to get it. And it made me appreciate boredom. Yes. Because I've been to the hospitals with people whose life is disrupted. Mm -hmm. And they wish they could go back to just the same old, same old. You know, that's how we say it. We yes. wish they wish they could go back to, hey ma, how you doing? Nothing. Yeah, well, how's your mom, man? We don't ever talk about it. I call them, we just hang on the phone. But that's a blessing. Mm -hmm. So for me, boredom, what people call boredom and routine is a powerful, it means my life has not been disrupted in any significant way. And mm -hmm. that gets me to gratitude. Mm. Just beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you again for coming on my show and uh, sharing your wisdom and and your humor. I mean, I chuckled a few times that, you know, you are a very funny person. And I love the way you stream together your sentences. And it really, it affects my being, really, being in your company, because you're very deep. And when I say that, I mean that you're all there. You put everything into this show. And I can see that you're putting everything into everything else that you do. And I so appreciate you. And thank you for coming back. I will be asking you for a fourth. Thank you for being so indulgent because I have so many. I don't have anything in my head until I'm asked. Then things just congeal. They come together. So I thank you for indulging my spontaneous explosions of explanations. Oh, it's wonderful. I can't listen to, I can't wait till I can listen to it. <laughs> thank you so much, Joel. Theme song for the Rhonda Grant show is Sun on the Water, composed and performed by my friend, John Park Wheeler. This is Rhonda Grant with the Rhonda Grant show, author of Magical Forces Within, Extraordinary Discoveries in an Ordinary Life inviting you to look for the magical forces within yourself today and every Thanks day. for tuning in to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you would like to find out more information about Rhonda and her upcoming guests and the work that she does, go to her website, rhondagrantauthor.com. That's rhondagrantauthor.com. Digital Audio Health by... 
Simatrax.